0: We do. We do deserve a little bit of recognition for how hard we work to exist in a world that's not really easy for us to exist in.
1: We are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there's so much to learn. We release new episodes every Monday, though last week it was on Tuesday and this week on Wednesday. Why? Well, it's really hard to find people who are open and willing and able to talk about this stuff. So if you would like to share your story with us, or you know somebody who does, please reach out. There is a lot of people out there that need to hear them. You can email us, hello at suicidenoted.com, or message us on Twitter or Facebook, at Suicide Noted. To both our listeners and our attempt survivors who have joined us on this podcast, thank you. Sincerely, thank you. Today. I am talking with Rosie. Rosie lives in Nevada and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Well, Rosie, thanks for thanks for joining me. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Where I am always curious about, where I want to start is why you reached out or how you came to be comfortable enough to talk about it with a stranger. <laughs> a sort of stranger about something so sensitive like how did you come to be in that space
0: well i mean i waited a while i found your podcast and then obviously like i listened for a while so that way it kind of almost felt like i had developed some sort of relationship with you already so i felt more comfortable reaching out because it's it's hard for me to kind of take that step like i said i had written like three emails previously and (laughs) it's like one day they will get sent
1: so I love those emails I mean I didn't I didn't love reading the content of all of course but it's your life
0: yeah you
1: shared it and for the listeners I got an email from Rosie yeah you had had a few drafts trying to put it all together and trying to figure out I guess what to share because they were novels
0: I was writing (laughs) novels
1: It's hard because when you're talking about your life, this stuff, there's so much. And I'm trying to be like, how do I get this under an hour? Right. Yeah. And I'm putting people who are sharing their lives with me in this position where I'm like, all right, but I don't know if they want to know every little detail. What do we, what do we want to include? It's tricky, but the stuff you shared is definitely a great starting point. <laughs> uh, they don't get to read that only I do. So we're going to start from scratch. Kind of. Yeah. Is it one attempt or more than one attempt?
0: It's basically just the one actual attempt. Right. There's been a lot of like kind of close calls, but yeah. like just that one time where I was like done. So
1: <laughs> And where do you want the Rosie story, so to speak, to begin? I could ask you about your childhood. I could ask you about the Like there's so many places to start, but I'll let you pick that spot.
0: Okay. The most important, I guess, life event. That uh, really kind of sparked a lot of the major ideation was losing my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was pretty much my best friend. Like my dad always joked that like it was terrible because I was pretty much a copy of my mother. So he knew that like I was like kind of trouble a little bit. Like, but my dad's he's a former corrections officer, retired corrections officer. So like I always kept my toe in the line (laughs) enough though. But um, and uh, two. 2011 she died from lung cancer that had metastasized her brain um on top of that what how they found the cancer to begin with was she had a major stroke Mm -hmm. like it wiped out pretty much her ability to speak like she couldn't put sentences together anymore like she couldn't do basic math like she was pretty much a child Mm. and that really dampened her spirit and i think it made it harder for her to fight the cancer because she was already kind of done at that point yeah Yeah. So I just kind of watched her decline over like a year and a half. And
1: was your dad and mom together at that
0: time? Yes. She actually was still at home. My dad wouldn't let her go to the hospital. So he did like hospice care and stuff at home for her because he just didn't want her to be alone there. Right.
1: And she passed away in 2011.
0: Yes, it'll be. Yeah. Ten years this year.
1: Wow. Has that gone by fast, slow? It's.
0: I mean, in in the beginning, it seemed really slow, but now it it seems kind of almost impossible that it's already been a decade.
1: And you're in your 30s, 20s?
0: Yeah, I'm 36. Oh, you look young. Thanks. (laughs) I get that a
1: lot. (laughs) podcast, nobody gets to see you, but trust me, Rosie looks young. Uh, So you're in your mid-20s at the time. Yes. And so what happens in the aftermath
0: I just um, I took two months off of work like I just couldn't deal those two months are still kind of like a mystery like I don't really remember them Mm -hmm. at all I don't know what I was doing like I assume I was sleeping a lot yeah I just refused to leave the house and everything was terrible and I just had a hard time coping. it's
1: amazing Uh, I don't want to ascribe words to what you were going through but grief is a confusing thing
0: it's something it is something
1: something that really (laughs) screws with our brains that yeah
0: I mean and I had like previous brushes with grief anyway because her mother my maternal grandma and I she pretty much helped raise me when I was little so I was very close to her and I lost her when when I was 12 to Mm. once again lung cancer that metastasized to the brain Mm. (laughs) just like my mom also during that time one of my favorite uncles was like declining heavily with Alzheimer's. And then a, a year before I lost my grandma, I had lost my other favorite uncle to um, asbestos poisoning. Cause he was a roofer for a long time. He ended up choking to death on his own lung was how he ended up going out.
1: So that is a lot of loss.
0: Yeah. In a very Anybody, quick yeah, succession. Yeah.
1: Like one after the other, after the other.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I was always kind of like, I don't understand why I'm so depressed when I was a teenager. And I'm like, I just lost like three of my favorite people. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Guess, guess that makes some sense.
1: Yeah. You had said that you were like, you had a lot of almosts or ideation or close calls before the actual attempt. Yes. It was in, so what were those like? Were those just um, heavy ideations or
0: like I said in the email I've always yeah. been like passively suicidal so like I always like when I was younger it was kind of praying for the world to end mm-hmm. and then like that wasn't obviously happening so then I just kind of started it was more like huh, oh, I really wish that car would jump the curb and run mm-hmm. me over like you know like it was just like little things like that yeah and then once I lost my grandma that's when it kind of like tipped over into like actual more active ideation like a I started self-harming. Like it, mm-hmm. it took it took a ramp up into this is how I would do it. Yeah, which isn't something that had happened previous to that, and then it right. just obviously kept escalating. <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, let me ask you a question that I actually don't ask a lot of people, but given what you just shared, when you were when it ramped up and you were planning more actively, is that wanting to die or is that just wanting the pain to end or a little just bit of just wanting the
0: pain to end? Yeah. I feel like very few. Of us, like suicidal individuals, actually want to die. Mm -hmm. We just want to stop feeling so shitty all the time. Like we just want some relief,
1: (laughs) right? Like if I if I give you a magic pill and tomorrow the pain goes away, a lot of people presumably might not end their lives or try to end their lives. Yeah, yeah, it's a pain or suffering thing. However, you want to frame it. Is it 2011 the actual attempt or 2012? Um,
0: The actual attempt was 2019.
1: Oh, so several years went by.
0: Yeah. I had a lot of life changes between uh, the previous like almost attempt, which was in 2017. Mm -hmm. A lot changed positively. And then a whole lot of negative happened all at once. And I just like my um, my wife lost her father and um, her father. I'm sorry. sorry, You can hear me shaking in my voice.
1: Yeah. Take your time
0: she lost her father and was having a really hard time coping with that. She Mm -hmm. didn't get to see him like before he passed because COVID was a thing and she couldn't get into the hospitals. So she was absolutely heartbroken. We had a roommate at the time who I was very close to, and we had a, a weird complicated like romance thing going on that horribly bombed. And he had promised me previously that if I was there for Sam, which is my wife, if I was there for her going through her grief, he promised he would be there for me because he, he knew I was suicidal and I had a tendency to, to go go there when I was really depressed. And the one night when I needed him, he basically told me like, I don't want to deal with you. Mm. And I just immediately went upstairs and took like a handful of my anti-anxiety pills. And there was probably like a good 30 pills in my hand. And I just, took them and all that ended up happening was some really uncomfortable hallucinations for about 12 hours and then oh. I slept for like half a day.
1: <laughs> Didn't vomit them up. Nope. Didn't go to a hospital. Nope. Hallucinations. Wow. Yeah. Was it painful?
0: Not was it I it had really like painful? a mild stomach ache, but really? like honestly, the anti-anxiety pills that I was prescribed are basically just like glorified antihistamines. Yeah. So it's not as bad as it probably could have been if I had had like Xanax prescribed to me or something. So I guess on on that (laughs) note, I'm lucky.
1: Yeah. What's it like to, I'll say the word want to die, even though we could use the word just not want to be in pain.
0: Yeah. But that's too much those pills,
1: Even if it's somewhat impulsive in that moment, you take the pills with the intention of not waking up and then you wake up. What's it like to wake up?
0: Well, it was weird, because since I didn't actually ever go to sleep, it was just kind of this dawning realization that like, this wasn't going to be enough. And it was kind of like, at that point, I had the option to, do I take more? Do I drink some alcohol? Like, like, what do I do here? And then it just kind of, the longer I sat there and kind of dealt with the weird hallucinations I was having, like, they were like shadow people and stuff. So I was just kind of like, okay, you know what? If I'm going to die, you guys are going to take me because you're scary. So like, I guess I'll just see what happens. And then eventually my wife wakes up and I find comfort again. And I don't really want to take another handful of pills. So
1: did she, she knew what happened?
0: I told her I'd taken a lot of pills. She was very upset. She takes a lot of guilt onto herself for things Mm. she shouldn't often. So she kind of felt like she let me down by not being there for me, but she was, the grief is so hard. Like I wasn't faulting her for where she was. She was real deep in the, just the dark sadness. And she just slept a lot and it's not her fault. Like I just. Yeah. <laughs> hit a point. <laughs> yeah,
1: And are you still together with her?
0: Oh yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Oh, by the way, I can't help but notice your very cool tattoos.
0: Oh, thank you. They're for Rose. my, this one is for my mom. And this one oh. is for my grandma.
1: What is it? Uh, two different flowers,
0: Uh, two roses. One's a little like more open than the other. And they were there. My mom loved pink roses and my grandma loved like orange and yellowy roses. She always had those. So nice. Those are their memorial tattoos. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, they're really nice. Very cool. Thank you. So what have you, I don't want to be presumptuous, Have you just tried to tough it out since then and I'm going to get okay? Or have you done other things to try to maybe not be in that place again?
0: I'm pretty much like at the tough it out (laughs) part, but at the same time, it's been not maybe tough it out so much as just like an acceptance. There's some things you just kind of have to accept about yourself. Yeah. And like, it's like, I don't necessarily want to be bipolar, but I am. So I have to deal with it. Like, it's the same thing with the suicidal ideations, like they're there. And I just kind of have to learn how to either coexist with them or they're going to pull me under again. And I, I don't really want to give them that power right now where I currently am in life.
1: Do you get treatment, be it therapy, medication or other stuff for the bipolar or other stuff that you're dealing with?
0: I used to, um, I've tried many different therapists and many different psychiatrists. I had a six day stay in a mental hospital. Like I talked my way out of there because I hated it so much. <laughs> like I was like, Same. I know what you want me to say. I'm just going to say it to Same you. Exactly. So you let me go. It was strange. They didn't have room in like the Uh, section I would normally be put in so they put me with the older people so there was a lot of dementia patients and stuff in there and that was kind of heartbreaking to watch one lady kept I think she kept calling me Sharon and I just let her do it because every time she seemed to think I was Sharon she got really excited so I was like she must have really liked Sharon so we'll just roll with it like hell yeah Sharon lady like sure but a dude ended up throwing his sandwich at her and another guy punched him in the face like it was like chaos
1: so you were, so you had a one, one stay in the, in a, in a hospital. I'm curious. So even though we didn't talk about like a lot about your childhood or teen years, is there, you really, you mentioned the loss that you dealt with a lot of loss. And I asked this question because I don't know who's listening. And I just think my, there might be some people out there who are going through certain things and it's kind of, I don't know, good to hear that you're not alone So was there stuff that you went through as a kid, or I guess like maybe a teenager, that may have contributed to just the general not greatness in Rosie's life, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I was a very, very happy child, like adolescent. And then I don't, like I hit my teen years and that's when everything started, as it does for a lot of people, started going wrong. (laughs) I have a bad habit of picking bad boyfriends. (laughs) um my my mom used to call it broken wing syndrome like we because she suffered from it as well so Mm. she said we would try and find the birds with broken wings and try and fix them but oftentimes we pick the wrong broken birds that don't really want to be fixed they just want to take you down with them yeah so my very first boyfriend when I was 13 was very pushy Shall is we say?
1: is that the word pushy uh,
0: pushy um mm-hmm. probably did some things that i wasn't exactly 100 comfortable doing at yeah. the time right uh, and then when i broke up with him he kind of stalked me for a while until my dad was like look i'm literally a corrections officer this isn't yeah. smart for you to be doing so back off and then i was i had a very sweet boyfriend but he was kind of not the brightest bulb in the box. And I need to have conversations with people and I couldn't. So I was like, we're done. And then I got my first like major boyfriend, like the boy I lost my virginity to and he lost his virginity to me. And oh my God, how sweet, whatever. He wasn't so terrible. He cheated on me quite excessively, Mm -hmm. but I have a weird kind of idea with cheating. It's not really as hurtful to me as some other things can be. For instance, the major (laughs) change Change in my life when I was 17, I started dating my boyfriend who I just called douchebag because he is that
1: (laughs) right. That wasn't his actual name, but no,
0: I'm gonna try. I'm refraining from using people's names except for my wife because she's here to give me permission to use her name totally. totally. But
1: douchebag works,
0: but douchebag is what I have always called him, right? Perfect. Um, he was 22 when we started dating, like when it was two, you know, like what, a 2000, 2000. one so internet dating was kind of still kind of new and it was like it was over AOL for fuck's sake like <laughs> you know like AOL dating like bad idea and I you know had signed up even though I wasn't 18 I was only 17 so ooh, bad Rosie <laughs> and I met douchebag and he was 22 and that for whatever reason didn't raise any red flags to me at all at the time right
1: well you were 17
0: um, exactly and I was like I'm the dude I want um and I now know that what he did is called love bombing. Mm. I now know that terminology. What does that mean? Uh, Love bombing is when narcissists typically it's, I mean, anyone can do this, but it's a very heavy narcissist trait where Mm. they just throw all sorts of love and affection at you. They tell you all the pretty things you want to hear and they give you presents and they take you on dates and they do this to lock you in. And then slowly that kind of starts to, to lessen. And then it the verbal abuse starts to come in, in in small doses to replace the love bombing mm. and by this point you're invested in them emotionally so it's harder to to pull away
1: douchebaggery
0: yeah douchebaggery for sure that's hey his, that,
1: do you ever get do you ever have this perspective of oh he was dealing with all his own mental shit too for oh, me, I once in a while, I'm like, oh, that total asshole. It's probably all sorts of fucked up too. That's what I, I want a, now only now in my life, and I'm older than you.
0: <laughs> no, I have a running joke with my wife. Um, I am obsessed with with Hannibal, Silence of the Lambs, all that. Like, love, love, love. Hannibal is one of the TV shows I watch when I get really depressed. I'll throw it on. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen it way too many times. But we have a running joke that I am like this close to being Will Graham. Because I can empathize too heavily with anyone if I if I put my mind to it. Sure. Which is why I let people get away with shit for a really long time. Because I can yeah. make excuses for them. They don't even need to make excuses to me. Douchebag's dad was an abusive piece of shit. So, like, I gave him lenience. Because at least he wasn't hitting me like his dad used yeah, to do yeah. to his mom. You know? Like, there was excuses. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but... Also, fuck you. <laughs>
1: right, right now. You can get it, and I have, want nothing to do with you. Those two can coexist. Exactly. Yeah. How'd you meet your wife? Man. Um,
0: we worked together. When I was working at a Mercedes-Benz dealership, um, I did switchboard, and she did lease retention stuff. Well, she originally started on switchboard, so Classic. her twin sister had actually worked there, and that's how she got the job. So I was already friends with her sister, and then I met
1: her. Memoirs of a switchboard operator
0: oh god shoot me in the face (laughs) like seriously that was i worked there for 10 years i don't know how i did it i have such a phone phobia now because of it like my phone rings and i just immediately start panicking because of that fucking job man people are so mean for no reason It's just because you're the first point of contact. They like, let me tear you a new asshole about how it's raining and I can't get my car washed today. Like I control the weather and I made it rain just to piss you off. So yes, that's, that's exactly it. Yep. (laughs) That boyfriend specifically gets a lot worse. He, like I said, was very verbally abusive. One therapist I went to kind of shed light on the fact that like (laughs) what I was experiencing was actually rape because I wasn't really consenting. I was just kind of like, no, I don't feel like it. And he was just kind of forcing himself on me anyway. And wow. my brain just wasn't computing that that was a thing that could happen in a relationship wow. until a therapist was finally like, oh, honey, that exact thing happens in relationships all the time. Like you have a right to be hurt and upset and traumatized over it. Like yeah. you're not being dramatic. He, he got me hooked on meth for a few months. Luckily, I... Hated who I was so much on it because it totally zapped all of my empathy, and I base most of my personality around the fact that I am so empathetic. So, not having that core part of my personality really freaked me out. So I just quit. I just stopped, and I never. You were ever...
1: you you were aware that you were losing your empathy?
0: Yeah, like I just was getting to a point where I wasn't really recognizing myself in the mirror anymore. Like my eyes were dead; they weren't alive anymore. Like I needed that to stop. So I just. Just quit. There's yeah.
1: I'm glad you got <laughs> off of that stuff because that'll wreck you, man.
0: Yeah, I know. Our dealer, just watching him was enough to kind of be like,
1: no, thank you. Is he alive? <laughs> I don't want to end up like you. Is your is that guy that you were referencing alive?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I hope he's doing better. I hope he's figured his shit out um a little bit. Empaths we attract narcissists like mods yeah. to flames like they Is that just the big empaths they and narcissists
1: mm.
0: <laughs> like they either narcissists like to go after either like really weak-willed people that they know they can easily manipulate or empaths because it's almost like i think more of a fun game for them because they yeah. know just how deep they can get in there like and it's fun for them some
1: <laughs> well, of those narcissists are smart
0: it's scary almost the way that they can flip masks on and off like yeah to suit their, whoever they're speaking to at the time.
1: What do you think is a myth around this stuff? That's one of the things I always ask, like, what's the bullshit around this, all this stuff?
0: I feel like a lot of people are so terrified to talk about it because I, I don't know, people are irrationally scared of suicidal people. Like they either think we're so fragile that they'll talk to us and just say the word suicide and we'll immediately just like kill ourselves right then and there. Yep. Or they think that we're dangerous to them somehow. Right. Like, because we want to hurt ourselves, like we're going to hurt them, but like, and I mean, that's true for like a very select few, I I'd imagine, but like for the most part, we don't want to hurt other people. That's the furthest thing from what we want to do. Like which sounds ironic considering the act itself is hurtful to those you love, but at the same time, you're so deep in it, you think you're doing them a favor. So even that's like a selfless act to you at that point.
1: That's something I do hear sometimes is, man, I I, I genuinely think I'm doing something good for my loved ones.
0: Exactly. Like I here's yeah. a burden gone from your life. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That idea that you're going to say something and they're just going to off themselves and just, yeah. like, relax. Like there's always that possibility. Sure. I mean, just like you said, a tiny percentage of people do want to hurt other people, but that could apply to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Exactly. But the reality is, is you talking about it is I just, I obviously wouldn't have this podcast if I didn't feel the way I feel. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause I talk about, it. I mean, I'm like the one person who definitely doesn't feel that way, but I think there's a lot of harmful myths. You're right. I think that's bullshit. There's no answer. I do like talking or exploring like why that is. How did we get to a point where just talking about something? would? I don't, is that like an, in, because we live in a world in which like insurance companies rule everything?
0: I just, what, or is it just with,
1: like, what is it? Is it Christianity? Is it something there's else? There's a
0: word for it. That's what I was getting to. I think it's called generational trauma when, your lineage has experienced trauma over, like obviously with like black people like having generational trauma from what they've gone through. Yeah, it stands to reason that other people have probably experienced this as well. Yeah. And a lot of religion is so shame based mm-hmm. that through generations of people being shamed that, oh, committing suicide is this horrible sin, and you're gonna go to hell and you're gonna burn for it. So if you want to end the pain, tough shit. like you're gonna be in even more pain when you die. like, it's just this huge heap of shame on top of your shoulders that just keeps getting carried. And I think even if you're not a religious person, there's still, that's something that's so like almost ingrained in society that like even non-religious people sometimes think it's this huge, great offense. Right.
1: Like they don't even really think about it. Just there. No, you can't. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. No, that's no, no. Like I know a lot of people don't even want to talk about it because it's so right. taboo. they just want to shut it down because it makes them so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can hear the language. Cause I really do listen for this. You know, you hear the language that people use and it's just right there. You could hear it in the way they respond to people. And again, if you've, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, there's a question I ask, like how do people respond to you? And I know in your case, was it just your, your wife that, that knew?
0: I don't think I ended up telling my roommate because at that point I kind of felt like he didn't even deserve to yeah. know what he had pushed me to. So it was really just my wife and I did kind of downplay it, but I mean, she's not stupid. She knows me. So she, (laughs) she sussed me out pretty quick. That's a good
1: word. I never use sussed.
0: "sussed
1: Yeah. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) Sussed me out. Sussed. That's a phrasal verb. I know this English stuff pretty well. I used to teach it. Sussed out. Good word. (laughs) I don't even feel like that was a thing 50 years ago. It just became part of the lexicon.
0: That's what I love about language is it's constantly evolving and changing. And I love picking up on new dialogue from like the younger generations. (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't care if I sound ridiculous as a 36 year old. (laughs) Like I don't, I do not care. Yeah, you
1: get you. you Generally, I think if there's a people tend to start caring less about that shit, right? You're like, oh,
0: definitely. That's like when I was 20 something, like 23, I would have been like, I'm not using that lingo. But like now, I'm like. (laughs) Lol, <laughs> Like,
1: do you work now? Yes, I do. What kind of? You're not doing a switchboard work anymore?
0: <laughs> oh fuck no! Never again. What I will you... never work on phones ever again until the day I die.
1: All right? Um, had, I had am an
0: overnight veterinary assistant. You like so it? So feeding, walking. I love it. Like I, I worked at like a normal, a normal schedule in an animal hospital um, years ago. And I liked that, but it, it's just, it's stressful for me dealing with people a lot of the time. Plus my wife works overnight. So it was just natural for me to do this and see how I, how I liked it. And I adore animals. They're a huge source of comfort for me. So it's nice being around them. Uh, I don't mind being alone. I actually prefer working completely by myself just doing my own thing I like people to not be in my space at all like I get very hyper focused on how I do things yeah shall we say how
1: do you manage because you mentioned that you out you were diagnosed with bipolar right yes so how do you manage that
0: I have a complicated relationship with the whole mental health thing because I have been given so many different diagnoses like it's so frustrating because I honestly believe that I am probably a crossover I definitely am bipolar my mom was bipolar it's something that runs in our family but I also think there's a small possibility I might be a little bit autistic based Mm. on how I react to things and how I always have dealt with things and how very like I don't I don't know like I'm an only child so I just have always been in my own space and I would have friends over but after a while I'd be kind of like you need to go now like you are (laughs) messing with the the whole chi of my space like you just need thinking to get about out. energy
1: yeah chi okay
0: and i actually one of my therapists did kind of cross diagnose me with like borderline personality traits not full on mm-hmm. borderline because there's a lot of criteria i don't mm-hmm. meet cuz mm-hmm. i don't have unstable interpersonal relationship problems or i don't have really identity problems at all like i'm pretty set in who i am i just get upset because expressing it's hard for me sometimes because I know people will think I'm weird based on some of my interests so I I
1: what are your interests
0: my mom was a huge true crime fanatic yeah so that's something I grew up with as a child and because of that like I started watching horror movies at like as a toddler like my parents were kind of always like as long as you don't have nightmares you can watch whatever you want just as long as you're not bothering our sleep uh-huh. So from an early age I kind of learned that the horror movie monsters weren't what scared me like the other monsters were what were what scared me so it, it I'm I've been very cautious about other humans from a very young age <laughs> because of my mother when she first moved to Vegas uh, a man pulled her into a ditch and attempted to rape her And she almost tore his ear off and he ended up running away from her because she was just come back here, you motherfucker. Like, I will fucking kill you. Like, just tiny. My mom was very small and she just could be very terrifying when she needed to be. (laughs) So she passed all of that on to me. So I have a a very wide knowledge of serial killers and things of that nature. So at some inopportune times, (laughs) I might blurt random knowledge out of people if they just even mention a snippet of something true crime related i'm like oh
1: serial killer name drop
0: (laughs) yeah and i'm like oh (laughs) you want to hear way too many facts about him
1: right is your dad alive
0: (laughs) yes he is um he he lives like five minutes away he remarried after my mom like after a couple years so he lives with her and their son angel they're, they're good. They have, they just got an RV. They like to go travel places. His wife is a teacher, so she can do all that online and stuff. So they just hook up in the RV and they just go basically. Um, That was a weird situation. She is five years younger than me. Okay. So
1: Hold up. up. Let's (laughs) suss that out. Let's suss that out. Hang on. (laughs) That is different. Yes. So he had a younger woman, significantly younger,
0: significantly younger.
1: We're looking at more of why a man like that marries a woman that age. Are we looking at the woman and why a woman like that marries a dude that age? It gets goes both ways, right?
0: I mean, society is always going to look more harshly at the younger woman. Like yeah. she's trying, and that's that's yeah. been very much the case. There was a lot of issues with my dad's family because they just didn't understand why, like why this was happening. They very much thought, like, what is she after? You know, they were very protective of their brother. So they just, Oh. constantly questioning her and I was obviously very guarded for a while but I just watched them a lot in public because I know based on all of the shows that I've watched over the years like what it looks like when a woman who's not married to an old man for like love reasons like I know what those relationships look like they look very uncomfortable mm-hmm. there's not a lot of touching if there is it's very like okay oh yep here's your kiss honey okay thank you like They're very affectionate. They're very sweet in public. Like they hold hands, like, you know, like it's, it's a normal relationship. They just have a very large age difference and she's keeping him young, which I appreciate. Right. But my mom would have absolutely been a cougar had the roles been reversed. So like, she's probably cheering him on from the other side. Like (laughs) shit. Yeah. You got a young girl.
1: Do you think it's possible that you'll try again?
0: I don't ever want to say it's, not going to be possible because I just I feel like that's (laughs) I don't like putting undue pressure on myself and kind of making something so concrete as like this is never going to happen seems illogical to me yeah but I mean as things currently are I have no intention of of leaving like the family I've built behind right now Mm. my wife and I have a very strong relationship so I'm not going to to give that up anytime soon. And that's not something I'm going to take from her because I know it's a great source of comfort for her. So like, I, that's not something I want to, to take away.
1: <laughs> yeah. How has the lockdown been for you in the past, however many months?
0: I don't hate it. It's, yeah. I like wearing masks. I like not having half of my face visible when I talk to people, it makes my anxiety a, a lot lower. Interesting. And honestly, like I'm so used to being like just kind of a house person anyway like it's my house like I love it here I don't really need to leave like everything I love is here so you got a good room
1: you're in right now is that is that a living room
0: oh no it's actually it's my little I have like a little space this is my like the on the other side of those curtains is my uh bedroom oh this is just kind of like a little office area so it's my like we call them a witch room because I have all my witchy bullshit everywhere
1: To our listeners, what would you want to say to them? I have, don't know who they are. I, do, I just know we have a, a more and more, even though it's slowly building. But uh, what would you want to say to them?
0: When you're struggling, it's like a normal reaction when people find out that you're struggling. They want to be like this huge, shining beacon of positivity for you. Yeah. And they really shove that down your throat. And when you're over your head in suicidal thoughts, sometimes that just it doesn't penetrate that armor that armor is too thick for your toxic positivity bullshit to get through Mm. so something that's helped me is accepting that sometimes you can literally be kept alive just through spite alone just if someone thinks you can't hack it they think you're weak like they are like just do it like whatever just go kill yourself because you just keep talking about it anyway like you just keep living just to give them the middle finger and
1: Interesting. you can
0: do it i i swear to god like anger i don't like being angry but i feel like it's a very constructive emotion sometimes because it's so visceral and you just say i'm not going to fucking let you pull me under and just be openly miserable too. Like, that's the thing I feel like makes it worse is when you're feeling really shitty and let's say you have to go to work, you have to go to school. There's this huge pressure to just act like you're okay. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not like just actively weeping on everyone, like, you know, when I do have contact with people at work, I'm still not going to just be like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm totally cool. Yeah, woo. like, no, mm-hmm. like, cause that's, but you're never that way rosie are you i can be very bubbly bubbly
1: that was a bubbly little thing you just did
0: very energetic when i when i want to be or when i feel when i have enough energy to be i guess is the like when i'm manic when my mania kicks in like over the top that's the rosie you want at parties like right Right. depressed rosie you don't want her anywhere near a party (laughs) unless there's animals there that she can pet
1: I like this. So the anger, the spite, it's almost like, fuck you. That's why I'll stay alive, motherfucker. Yeah. Fuck you.
0: Cause sometimes that's all there is. Like you you can't feel the positivity, but there's still a chance you can get angry about something. Like yeah,
1: you can access that probably more easily.
0: Yeah. It's something that's a lot like because it's like such a, a baser, like primal emotion. It doesn't take a whole lot sometimes to Not for you many. stuff your toe the wrong nope. right, And it's like, fuck. <laughs>
1: What is your favorite all-time game? Sorry. It's going,
0: be a, it's going to be a tie between two games that I've played an obscene amount of hours. Um, one is um, Elder Scrolls Skyrim, mm-hmm. which I love immensely because I love the whole fantasy genre. I mm-hmm. love that I can be an orc because I absolutely adore orcs, so that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the second is called Binding of Isaac. I don't remember what the term is off my head. I'm sure there's gamers that are listening. They're screaming at me right now. Um, But it's like a randomly generated like dungeon crawler type of thing, basically. Like it's just one room at a time and there's a certain number of rooms on each floor and there's a boss at each floor's end and then there's like super bosses. It's chaos. It is absolute chaos. But somehow it like calms my anxiety down by giving me even more anxiety. Like I don't know how that works, but okay.
1: We're going to get hate. (laughs) We're going to get a lot of mail. We won't, but we'll make it one or two be like uh rosie did not describe that game accurately she doesn't understand the game
0: probably no i'm a girl gamer that's my like, curse. like uh, i don't know I what can, i'm talking about ever
1: <laughs> like you can try to find her and reach out to her i'm not the guy don't shoot the messenger here <laughs> you know how should we end this thing uh maybe probably forgot important stuff
0: i feel like a big thing is learning uh, something that I think helps anyone, not just people with suicidal ideation is learning to, to develop some sort of a shield against Mm -hmm. other people's shit because. A shit shield. We already have to exactly just shit shield it up because we already have to deal with so much bullshit from ourselves and our own minds. Like it's not fair. Like our brains literally work against us. Like, so We do. We do deserve a little bit of recognition for how hard we work to exist in a world that's not really easy for us to exist in. Yeah. With all of the shit that's happening and all of just the constant pain. Like it's, it's a natural human response, I think, to want to get away from that. And sometimes your brain is wired to make you want to do the ultimate thing you could do to get away from that. Like my wife isn't actively suicidal but she's not without the thoughts of wanting a car to hit her like that's something that does pop up from time to time everyone has intrusive thoughts yeah it's just a little bit stronger for some of us
1: yeah i love the word or the expression shit shield sussed out (laughs) is great shit shield i might even see if the domain is available i'm gonna try (laughs) to start something with that i'll give you i'll let people know it was your idea don't worry shitshield.com or something it's probably taken i love that uh and i'm also glad glad's not the ideal word uh but something like that that you uh were unsuccessful last year or two years ago when you attempted i'm glad you're here thank you
0: um uh,
1: particularly because it sounds like you want to be here
0: yeah i mean you know good. 2020 sucked and 2021 is trying to suck so yeah um, <laughs> I could do with all out all that, but it's also like, I don't know. It's in some way made it easier because everything's just chaos and everything's so uncertain right now that it somehow makes it easier for me to just be like, fuck it. Like, and just learning how to accept myself has been really a lot simpler when you're forced to just be locked in your own company. A lot of the time when you can't interact with other people as easily.
1: You know, (laughs) I need to get a shit shield. I need to get a better, bigger shit shield.
0: I know. I'm working on mine. It's it's slowly leveling up. It's just taking some doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, thank you for talking with me.
0: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Always grateful. Hard to find people who are willing to talk. So, uh, you know, and I think people hear this stuff and I think it helps. So that's great. It
0: does. It resonates. There's definitely a lot of a lot of things that past like people have said that have really like hit me and you're like, oh, shit, like I am like not alone, like this person has the exact same thought. Like with Anna and the whole wanting her, like God to smite her basically. Like I totally resonated with that so hard because that was my whole childhood in Christian school was just like, what the fuck God? Like why won't you just do the thing?
1: (laughs) It's weird. You would think, I guess, that I would have an easier time finding people. There's not a shortage of people. it's like millions of people, right? But uh, it's actually been not easier. Not necessarily much harder, but it's not easy. Cheery or not, they need to hear it.
0: Yeah, because you don't know who's silently suffering around you. And you might be able, you might come away from hearing this podcast, like non-suicidal people could come away hearing it, being a bit more gentle towards people who are suicidal. Because they know it's not personal. They know now like that there are real human people connected to these feelings like that they're more than just you know the want to die like they're a whole (laughs) universe of things
1: yeah 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 i can for the the most part I, i never get to find out but that's cool i've been doing it since july is it july and i'll just keep doing it all right thanks rosie
0: thank you have a good day
1: all right talk to you soon take care As always, thanks so much for listening and all your support. And special thanks to Rosie out in Nevada. If you are a suicide attempt survivor or you know someone you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com. You can reach us as well on our Facebook and Twitter pages at suicidenoted.com. And stay tuned for our Patreon page, which we will be launching soon. If you want to contribute and help us in other ways, well, that will be available very soon. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.